On the rare occasion that we uh, are all gathered together and on a special week like this, uh, uh, we're going to have to do a little episode of Cooking with Drew. And so we like to do, we, I like to do an episode of a fake cooking show that I lead. And if you are a child, if you're a kid, I would love for you to come up and get front row seat in the audience. Come on up if you're a kid. And I believe, did you uh, find me a theme song? Oh, nice. Oh, this is a great thing. All right, come on up. You come right in the front here and turn around and look this way. You can sit right here. It's perfect. Front row seat. You're going to you have to sit, though. So everyone can sit. All right. We got a couple more. Anyone else? You could also come up if you're tall and an adult. Aaron, you want to sit up here? He's good. Oh, he's good. Okay. Aaron's good. Uh, good morning. Can we get a little light up here so we can see ourselves? Evan's on top of everything. Good work, Evan. Part of our spectacular AV crew. Ooh. I brought you something very special today. Big reveal today on Cooking with Drew. Look at this. Is this exciting? What? Good question. Good question, Timmy. What is it? I have spent, I have spent hours and hours of my day. I have done so much research. We built a factory and I've been working and experimenting in order to make the newest product in the Cooking with Drew line. I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't want to brag, but I'm, this is like the coolest thing I've ever made. And it's, and it's all me. I've spent many nights sitting up late, figuring this out, tasting things to get just the right flavors. You guys excited to see my creation? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's like a big deal. I can you, can you, how, do you think it's gonna be pretty good? It's gotta be right, because I made it. Yeah. yeah? Okay. Any guesses what's under here? No, not me. No guesses. Cereal, box? cereal maybe? Oh, what do you think? A box of cereal. That's right. A box of cereal? What kind of cereal Chocolate. do you think? Chocolate cereal? That doesn't exist. That doesn't exist? Oh, sorry, bud. <laughs> That doesn't exist in your house, I bet. <laughs> we just introduced you to something. <laughs> Sorry, guys. You could talk to your dad about that. All right, you ready for this? Are you ready for this big reveal? I mean, the, I can't, and this is going to change the world. I've done so much to make this. Are you ready? Yes. Ready? Ah! Okay, Timmy's excited. You see my... You see how awesome this is? Do you see what I made here? You are underwhelmed by this. Do you know what this is? Fruit snacks. They're my fruit snacks, right? Because I made these myself at my house. No? You think they taste different than normal? Do you think I actually made these? Okay. I bought them. How do you know I bought them? Because on the side it still says what are you talking about? How? Oh, you figured it out. You got me. I just, I just put some duct tape on here and wrote my name. Did anyone see that? Anyone else notice that? Yeah. You're pretty smart. You're pretty smart kids. Um, yeah, I feel kind of silly now. You, you're right, actually. You know what I did? You know what I did? Really nothing. I really did nothing. I had to drive to Costco and I gave them money and they gave me this giant, awesome box of fruit snacks. Do you guys like fruit snacks? Yes. These are 
really good fruit snacks. I mean, they're so juicy. It's almost like you're eating strawberries and peaches. Oh, they're so good. And, and I really wanted you to think I did it. You guys ever felt like that where you wanted someone to think you did something and you didn't do it? Yeah. Yeah? I feel that a lot, actually. Why do you think I would want to fake that these were mine and not just give credit because to Mr. Welch? Oh, that's pretty accurate. I want attention. So I want everyone to think I'm kind of a big deal maybe. So I faked, I, I lied to you actually. I said, this is something that I did so that I would get some attention. So the world would say, oh, best fruit snacks ever. Drew's the coolest. Why else, why else maybe, why would we say that we did something or we actually use the word in the Bible sometimes we say boast or maybe you'd say brag about something. What do you think? What do you think? Oh yeah, the boxes are different. Great observation skills there. <laughs> They're very close though, aren't they? Yeah, what else? Why do you think? Do you have an idea? Think about it for a second. You don't know? Okay, that's okay. I sometimes don't know either why I boast about things that aren't true. <laughs> it's just deep in my heart kind of. Yeah, what do you think? So you want, you think people, you want people to pay attention to me. Okay. Oh, I want to be famous. That's true. Anyone ever felt like they want to be famous? So much that maybe you'd even tell someone something untrue. Oh, I remember that. I remember on the playground as a kid, I would tell friends things that were not true. I'd tell them that my uncle was the president. Do you think my uncle, my uncle was the president? My uncle was not the president. But I would tell them because then they'd go, oh, Drew's the coolest. Isn't that crazy? There's something in us that says, oh, it's this thing that we call sin. Or kind of our hearts can be broken in that way. And we say, oh, I want to be a big deal. I want people to think I'm a big deal. Or maybe I want to get away with something. Because, and I take credit for something else. Or maybe I even make something up. So these really aren't my snacks, right? These are the Welch family, family farmer owned, it says. The Welch family made these tasty treats. Do you guys want one of these? I'd love to give you one. Okay, I'm gonna give you one in a second, but first I wanna mention something else, okay? Today we're in, the, we're in the book of Romans in chapter three, and in there it says, what, should we be boasting? Should we be, is there a reason why we should even be bragging? And, and Paul, who writes this, says, no way. And you know why? He says right before this, Jesus has given us this amazing gift that he's rescued us and saved us from sin. And he said, you don't, need to, you don't need to take credit for any of that. Jesus has done it and it's okay. It's actually really good. And Paul who wrote that in another book, in another letter, he writes, actually when we say we're weak, we're actually strong because then it shows off Jesus. So like I could say, you know what? These are great fruit snacks. I love them. They're tasty. Look how excited we are to get them. But I don't have to say they're mine to get attention, right? No, right? It's okay. It's okay to say, hey, I, I didn't make these, but I can still enjoy them in the same way we can say, oh, God's done so much to rescue us, to save us, to love us. And I don't, I don't need to say, be a big deal, right? Because God, Jesus can be a big deal. Would you like a fruit snack? They're not my fruit snacks, but I'd still love to share them with you. Are you ready for this? 
You guys want to take some fruit snacks? Do you want to take a few maybe back to your parents? I know there's some adults who would love some of these. Here, take a couple. You help me pass these out. Great job, great job, great job. You want a couple? Oh, for sure. Grab, grab them for your family. Maybe your neighbors where you're sitting. It's kind of like the gospel. We can share these fruit snacks with the world. You want one of these, bud? Oh, thanks for bringing it back. Oh, you got it, bud? There you go. Good work. Good work. Do you want a second one? I bet your dad wants one. You want to get one for your dad? He likes fruit snacks, I bet. Nice hat, bud. Nice work. All right. You did it. You did it. All right. I got a lot of thank yous. Good work, whoever is telling their kids to say thank you. We are, uh, we are in a series in Romans, and uh, we are talking about boasting today and thinking why would we boast and how the gospel is actually the answer to our boasting. The answer isn't just don't be people who boast. Don't be humble braggers. Don't be that guy. But the answer is actually in the gospel as in many things, all things really for us. And the same question of why would we be someone who uh, needs to make ourselves look better, even someone who's hard to even admit that we are weak. And so we're gonna look today uh, at these passages in Romans. It's our last week in Romans for a while. We're taking a break here um, for the summer. And we'll talk about it a little later, but we're gonna look at stories and parables in the gospels uh, and how they point us to Jesus, how they're not just cool stories, but they point us to the kingdom of God. I'm really looking forward to that. First, so I want us just to take a little journey back through the first three chapters of Romans. Uh, and remember where we're at, because that is what leads us to this question that's at the end of three, and this answer to this question of, of why would we be people who boast? Why would we be people who, uh, who, who need to take credit or maybe even make things up to look better? And so here's Romans one through three, real quick. Uh, Romans starts as a letter, it, the whole thing is a letter, from a guy named Paul to a church in Rome, and he wants to encourage this church uh, to follow, in the end, to look to Jesus. Uh, and he wants to unpack kind of where they're at, maybe where their hearts are, what they've been working through. And so he uh, is just introducing us here in Romans 1 through 3 of the kind of the core of what he's going to unpack then the rest of the book uh, of Romans. And he's actually talking to people who grew up Jewish uh, and people who grew up not Jewish, Gentile, people who have uh, kind of all different experiences with God and faith and spirituality. And he's going to explain that all of us are in the same place, actually, and the gospel actually is there for all of us. So he starts with, in, in Romans 1, <clears throat> 16, uh, he starts with this great uh, opening to us, this great kind of thesis, this summary of all we're going to hear in the book of Romans. Uh, and really the core, right, the center of what we believe as Christians, uh, understanding that we have been rescued, that the gospel is really good news that tells us uh, we've been saved. So in Romans 1.16, we hear this good news that you have been saved from not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. So then he says, let me unpack that. Let me share that with you. And first he kind of talks about Gentiles, people who would have run far from God, people who in the church in Rome would have uh, seen as people who are doing all the, like maybe the bad things God hasn't commanded them to do or called them to do. 
people who are, uh, follow other religions, people who have different, very different ethics than the Jewish people would have had. Um, and he says, you're sinners. He unpacks, what does it look like to be a sinner, one who's turned from God? And in uh, Romans 1, 25, we get a little taste of this. He says, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. They said, this, this is what is true. This is what God has said is true. And instead we follow this thing that's untrue, this lie. And we've worshiped and served creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. It's one of the ways we can define sin is by saying sin is when we start worshiping creation, whether it's people or things or ideas, anything that we say isn't us looking to the creator and put giving our worship there. It actually helps us understand you could have really good things in your life, really enjoy good things in your life, but when they turn into your hope, when they turn into the thing you think will save you, rescue you, uh, is at the core what will satisfy you, then we have a problem. And so he's sharing this, and this is directed about or towards even Gentiles, people who are not Jewish people. Um, and so then he turns in Romans 2 to Jewish people who might think, because I'm Jewish, because I follow all the rules, then I must be okay then. Almost in a sense, even maybe as they had heard uh, this first part of Romans, they would have went, yeah, those Gentiles, they worship all these things. They need to figure it out. And he says, but, but you too, you're doing the same thing in a different way. So we hear this in Romans 3, 9. What then? Are, we, are uh, we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. And then 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So he's unpacking an argument and, and helping us understand that since Adam and Eve turned away from God and did not look to their creator for all things, they have Sinned. And so all people are in the same category. We're all one people who are broken. Sin in need of a savior, need to be rescued. And so we go from you're saved to why do we need to be saved? Because we're actually turned away from God because we're actually leading lives towards death and not life. And so what do we do? We got to pick up the pieces. We got to get better. We got to do better. He says, no, no, that's not the way. This is actually what it is. You are saved through your faith, through looking to Jesus, through believing what Christ has done, that he has done the work to rescue us on the cross. And so at the end here of Romans 3.20, in 3.22, we hear it and a few other places, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. So we, we gain righteousness, rightness with God, justice comes and is taken care of um, because of what Christ has done in 24. And our, we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So Paul just has taken us through this little quick journey of really the basics of what the gospel are. It's a story that we are deeply sinful people and that we've been rescued by Jesus and that to be a follower of Jesus is to believe and follow him and not get our act together. It's not that we have to figure it all out and then and, and do better, and then God will accept us, which is pretty common, right, in other religions and other places around these people. And so Paul's unpacking, as we just start Romans here, this great, wonderful thing that we need to look to Jesus. In fact, in these passages, he points to these images that the Jewish people would have known of, of rescue, that Jesus is the one who rescues us from slavery, ultimately, that Jesus is from this story of a snake on a pole that heals people. We look to Jesus uh, on a pole and he heals us. And Jesus is the one whose blood was shed so that we would be atoned for, our sins would be taken care of. And Jesus is the lamb of God as he tells us 
um, in the Last Supper as he commands his people and says, I want you to take communion so you'd remember my body broken, my blood shed, because I'm now the lamb that's blood is shed to atone forever for your sins. So we're learning here, we look to Jesus, to Jesus, to Jesus. Last week we looked here, and we're reminded of uh, Tim Keller explaining the gospel and its basics, <clears throat> that we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Christ, Jesus Christ, than we ever dared hope. It's this uh, true reality that we're in. And the last thing we heard in Romans was that God is, the, is just and he's the justifier. He's the one who takes sin serious and he takes his love and mercy for us very serious. So he's able to find a way, which is sending Christ to take care of those sins. The ones we deserve death for, Christ instead takes death for us and takes care of the seriousness of our sin. And at the same time, he's showing his great love for us as he's rescued us, showing us mercy and forgiveness and then offers it as a gift for us. So this is where we're at right now. In Romans, we're at this point where he's unpacked all these things to help us understand you are deeply sinful, more than you even know. And you're deeply loved more than you understand. And we hear in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, the same thing. For our sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteous of God. So Paul says, you have become right with God. You are deeply loved and seen and secure, and you have a hope and a future. This is incredibly good news. And then he asks an interesting question. He says, then what becomes of our boasting? Hey, at first, it might seem like an odd question that he asks in this next verse of Romans, but I think it actually makes a lot of sense. It's at the core, I think, of a lot of our activity in life. He says, then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. Or other versions, it says, it's gone away with, or get rid of it. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. So he's kind of restating everything we just learned. He's saying, it's not because you did a bunch of stuff that God has rescued you. It's because you put faith in Christ who has done those things. And our God who has done those things. We look to our creator and what he's done and not creation. Or is God the, good, the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one. Who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith? Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. This is our passage for today. He's kind of coming back through all of these saying, are, are, do Jews get saved or do Gentiles get saved? Who's, who gets that? He's saying there's one God and that one God has saved one human race through faith in Christ. And so we have no reason to boast. So we're going to start here just looking at this kind of idea of boasting. I think the question feels kind of out of place because it hasn't been really brought up before it, with that exact word. But I think that word really kind of describes maybe the real condition of our heart. It's the real condition of a heart that says, I am going to obey God so then he will love me or I'm going to obey God so I get stuff. Boasting is is kind of the expression of what's coming out of our mouth that explains the heart condition of I am kind of a big deal or I need you to think I'm a big deal because then I might get approval or if, if you think I'm a big deal, then I might be able to have control of this thing or if I'm 
if I'm boasting, then I might be saying like, I've done all of these things. And he's saying, we're at a place now, right? That you understand from what I've just written to you, God has done all these things. And it's really good news that you don't have to say you've done all these things. I was thinking of all the ways we kind of feel like we maybe present ourselves in a way to show like we've done it or we're there or um, that we're strong or smart. We see it right in social media is a place probably you just assume it kind of. I, I was just talking to someone who said, when, I read, when I'm reading Instagram, I'm just assuming I'm getting like 75 to 50% of truth. <laughs> They're like, I just, as I'm reading, because they're sharing about a friend, they're like, man, that was, that's a really cool thing. Well, I don't think it probably was as cool in real life, but on Instagram, it was a, you know, 100% cool. That's a place we see this, kind of having to like build a case for how great we are, even uh, Be Real, if you're aware of Be Real, a social media app where actually it just gives you a notification each day. And the idea was to kind of curb some of that to say, you don't know when, but it's just gonna say right now, you have to take a picture wherever you are. And so you don't have time to like curate a, a, um, a cool scene or curate a boast. Kind of actually for the first time ever, I experienced this recently. I was having lunch with a friend and he goes, oh no, I got like two minutes and I gotta do my be real. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> and so our <laughs> lunch kind of got interrupted. Uh, and he like adjusted, we adjusted how our lunches looked <laughs> on the table. And uh, he like, you know, made sure we looked okay. And then I was unaware that it takes a picture uh, of him and of whatever's on the other side of his camera. So uh, it took a picture of him, like with his, eating his sandwich, uh, which was sort of real. He was being kind of real. And I didn't know. So the picture of me is like me doing this, like, and he was like, oh, sorry, I didn't tell you that you gotta like look good too. I'm like, is that not the point of this thing? Uh, it was awesome, right? But I'm on one person's be real now, so I'm in, I'm cool. Uh, I think of even just other moments, maybe conversations you have with someone, maybe if you, if you don't wanna put this on you, then you've had that conversation with someone who the whole conversation is about them, maybe a, a humble brag. I, uh, I love this little cartoon of what uh, bragging might look like, you know, hey, check out the thing I accomplished. And then there's a point where you feel like they've climbed on top of you and is holding it. You're like, yeah, yeah, cool. I saw you did it. That's great. Good work. Uh, almost like you're talking to an adult like a child. You're like, I get it. Good, good work, buddy. Uh, I think of uh, this even as kids, right? With our kids, we're really careful. We want to explain to them how important it is that we don't become people who just are bragging all the time and talking to ourselves, even Berenstein Bears writes, have a book about it. Um, talking about how I'm the best and I'm so good. It's really built into us. It's really the core of kind of not gospel is it's about me and about what I've done and what I can do. And there's an enormous amount of pressure on that. Enormous amount of time to th thinking about that and, and doing things so that maybe we can look good or say we look good or even say later, like how great we were humbly, like, oh, not a big deal, but I just, I'm tired because I spent my whole day like feeding orphans and so it's not a big deal. Um, or I think even sometimes our boasting is about how we don't let anyone tell us what to do, that nothing controls me and that I'm my own person, that I don't listen to anyone um, at all. I think there's lots of ways, right? We see this play out in our lives. We see this kind of bubble up. I think this often in conversations when you have to mention what you did or maybe fudge a little bit of how big or small that thing was in order to make yourself feel better or people think you're bigger. 
I feel this all the time. It's such at the core of us. I think that's why Paul brings it up here. And Paul brings this up actually other places in scripture. So I just want to get to like, how, how does Paul get here to a place where boasting cha- flips? It really changes. And I think it's one of the great freedoms we have in the gospel is that this isn't a life we have to live. That me looking really strong and good and important, uh, I can actually like set that aside. And that sounds like a a lot of my day just got freed up. A lot of my conversation just got freed up and now I have a different mission. So let's, let's look a little bit at Paul. In 2 Corinthians, this comes up very uh, specifically. Paul is talking about all the things about him. He's saying, uh, he's actually talking in part of this book about people he calls the super apostles. He names them that. And uh, they talk about how awesome they are. And there's a sense of the church that's like, we're gonna follow these people, they seem pretty awesome. And they told us how good they are. It's kind of like they rolled into town and said, hey, look how cool we are. Look how good the show is we have. Look how important, look at all the things we've done and we'll do for you. And all you have to do is follow us and we'll do all these great things for you. And you say, that's not how the gospel works actually. And so if that's how it worked, then I'd, I'd be really good at this. And so he, he kind of unpacks some of his own uh, resume in helping us understand Paul could have done that but the gospel changed them to not do that. He says, but whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I'm speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast of that. So he's saying, oh, I could boast too. You wanna get in the boasting game? He says, I too. Are they Hebrews? So am I. I'm Jewish too. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I'm talking like a madman with the far greater labors, far more imprisonments with countless beatings and often near death. He's saying, oh, did, I, did they give their lives for Christ? Oh, you don't understand how many times I've done that, right? If, if you wanna start talking, if that's what really makes you so great is, is how much you've given, how much you've been hurt for Jesus. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews, the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers. So my favorite lines of scripture. Ooh, rivers. In danger from robbers. Danger from my own people. Danger from Gentiles. Danger in the city. Danger in the wilderness. Danger at sea. Danger from false brothers. In toil and hardship through many. A sleepless night. In hunger and thirst. Often without food. In cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. This this would be his post. If he posted like a picture of him and he was like exhausted on a beach, (laughs) this would be you guys wouldn't believe the week I had. Shipwrecked, in danger and in danger and in danger and in danger. Oh, I've done so much for the Lord. And people go, oh, Paul, wow, Paul's the best. He's like Hebrew of Hebrews and he's, he's better follower of Christ. And then 29, who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is made to fall? I'm not indignant. If I must boast, he says, but if I am gonna boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, he who is blessed forever knows that I'm not lying. So later, just a little bit later here in the book of 2 Corinthians. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. It's like, I, I, don't, I don't wanna be conceited. And actually God has given me a gift that I don't live my life going, how, how can I show how good I am, how great I am? God's actually given me a thorn. 
has been given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Right? Ultimately, one that's always turning towards Paul and trying to turn others towards Paul. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that I should, it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. That's a hard, that's a hard one to get back. <laughs> hey, God, this is really hard. And he says, yep. And it's helping remind you that my grace, this gift of the good news, the gospel of Jesus is enough for you. And that power that you want so bad is actually given to you through your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Do you hear how how he's changed? He's saying, if I'm gonna boast, I'm gonna say, I'm broken and I, I don't always know what to do. And because when I share that I have great weakness and brokenness and I'm a sinner, then even more Christ gets the credit for what he's actually done. And I don't have to fake it. I don't have to say, oh, I've done all these things. Christ can be shown in, in what he truly has done. It's what Paul has unpacked for us in Romans 1, 2, and 3, he said, you're sinners, but God has not left you there. And now you have no reason to have to live a life where you're always having to bolster yourself up and show off yourself because you actually now is good to say you're weak because that is when the power of God comes in. That's when the power of the gospel for salvation enters us. That's when the Holy Spirit takes over and, and we then are actually empowered and satisfied. Our souls are actually given what our souls need. But when we can't, right? When we say, no, no, I got it. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Then we're now not even, we're not believing the gospel. And so once we say, yeah, I'm broken. I need you, Jesus. And we turn to Christ. And that's when we're actually given all that we desire. When we are weak, we're actually made strong. So the gospel doesn't just say, you've been rescued. It actually frees us from a life of conceit, a life spent making ourselves look good or even having to convince ourselves that we're that great, which is very tiring, very weary. And allows me freedom in my conversations, in my actions. It allows me to free up my schedule a little bit to to spend uh, in my weakness and allowing God to work in me. There's actually one more line here in this passage. It feels a little bit different. It says, you know, we, why would we keep boasting? We wouldn't keep boasting because now we just put our faith in all the things that Christ has done and our boasting becomes one of Christ of, oh, you wouldn't believe how weak I am and how good Christ is in all that we do. It says, so then, do we then overthrow the law by this faith? Do we say, do we exclude it? This word, can we, can we throw it out? And he says, no, 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 don't get rid of the law. On the contrary, we uphold the law. How does that work? Actually, uh, our friend here, Tacumbo Adeyemo, he's uh, one of our faves. He, he helps us unpack a little bit. What does that mean? So, so then we do follow the law? Well, he helps us, I think, here. No more struggling to meet the requirements of the law. 
we see in 331. The Jews believe that the faith Paul was proposing nullified the law. They got rid of it then. Then we don't need the law. To this, Paul says, not at all. Rather, faith upholds the law or we stand on the law. The law is not put aside, but it is given its proper place in the justice of God. For Christ has fully satisfied the demands of the law. Jesus actually says he comes to to fulfill the law. Justified believers who live by faith are the beneficiaries of Christ's fulfillment of the righteous requirements of the law. He actually has lived out the law in the way God commanded. He's actually even died as the sacrifice that was given to us in the law for sins. As they become more like Christ, they automatically obey the law. So there's this thing that happens and we say, I'm weak and I'm broken. And we look to Jesus, he actually changes us. We believe the spirit actually changes who we are and our hearts and our motives and our minds. And we just, we even start doing the things that God has called us to do. Um, sometimes we'd say like this, I, I might think if I'm, if I'm just living, right, trying to be strong and follow the law, I obey to get my rescue or love from God. And I think we're hearing here, no, actually I am rescued, so then I'm obey. I actually get changed and now I, I want to obey. Or I obey God so uh, I'll, he'll approve of me. I'm actually saved so I know I'm loved. I don't, I don't just go, God, I'll follow the rules because then you'll be like a dad who'll go like, good work, son. Don't mess things up. That's not true. That's not the gospel. The gospel is I have come and rescued you even in your brokenness and your weakness and your sin that you're even unaware of. And now that changes me and I keep looking at Jesus and it changes me more. And now I know I'm approved and I begin to want as a changed person to follow God. We're gonna talk a lot about this as we continue in the book of Romans. This is the gospel, right? This is the gospel. And this is what he says. There's no reason to boast because it actually doesn't, it's counter to being a follower of Jesus. So next, next week, we're starting a series that we're calling not just in our story and throughout the summer, we're gonna get some parables and some other stories that Jesus tells and explain they're not just stories. They're not just a cute fun story, like a kid's story that has a good moral, but they're actually stories that explain the kingdom of God. And this week, I was really excited. I'm going to give us a little sneak peek into one of the stories. So good thing you're here. Memorial Day weekend. You're getting a sneak peek into our series. We're going to look at the story of the two brothers real quick, because I think it explains to us this, this reality of what Paul wants us to see in Romans 1 uh, through 3. This is a story of the two brothers who have a father, this great father who has this uh, land and the one son. Uh, you may know this story. Sometimes we call this the prodigal son story because we talk about the one brother. Um, there's two sons, and one son stays and and works the father's farm, and the other son actually comes to the father and says, "Hey, I I don't want to be at your farm. In fact, I'd like you to give me my inheritance now." In a way, saying, "I like I almost kind of wish you were dead. I want what would come to me when you died." I'm gonna leave the family. I have things, I'm feeling a lot of things and I got things I wanna go run and do. I wanna be me and, and follow my passions. And so the father actually allows him. He says, I'm gonna allow you to go run after those things. Things that I don't think bring life, but I'm gonna allow you to run after. So the, so the boy, the son leaves, the father leaves the family takes these blessings the father has given him and uses them for himself. He uses them to, 
It says he kind of squanders them with women and uh, assume probably substances and leads a, a wild, some translations actually say like a wild life. I picture him like he's clubbing, he's staying up late, he's making some poor choices. And in fact, eventually the money runs out. You may have guessed that. And he has to find a job feeding pigs and to the point he actually like is with the pigs, which in the story would be pretty significant to a Jewish audience. They would have heard the story and went, he's now with unclean animals in a messy pen. He now literally lives with the pigs. In the Jesus Storybook Bible, it says, he lives with the piggies and eats the piggies' food. He's now eating and acting like a pig. He's not even human kind of anymore. And in, the, in his mess, in his brokenness, in his sin, he goes, I wanna be back with my dad, with my family. And so he decides to go back home. And on his way home, he, he has this story he tells himself that he says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell the dad, I'm sorry, but, and I'll even just be a slave on your farm. I'll be a servant to you. I know I'm not even welcome back into the family. Can you even just give me that? Because I ran off and did all these things away from what you've commanded, what, what's good and what's right, right? Outside the law. It's this incredible scene that we see. In Luke 15, we hear, and the son said to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and before you and I no longer am worthy to be called your son. But the father says to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they begin to celebrate. So the son comes home it says, I'm not even worthy to be your son. I've sinned against you and I am broken and I, I, I was dead to you, lost. And he says, let's celebrate. My son has come back to me. Turn back to me, looking to me again. And they have a party for him. In fact, he puts a ring on his finger and a robe on him, indicating you're actually part of the family again. The father just in that great mercy runs to him and embraces him. What an incredible story, right? This is probably the part of the story we hear the most often. And this would be the part of the story that would be connected to the Gentile people that Paul talks about in Romans 1. He's saying, you've, you've run away. And he just gives a list of all these ways that you've turned from God that maybe even feel very clear in the way that you handle uh, your life, your sexuality, your money, uh, your, your substances, your food, each other. You become people who are very selfish and you just do what maybe feels good to you and right to you. And so that brother comes home and the father says, you're welcome back. As he turns back, really kind of puts faith back in the father. Jesus tells a story and says, that father though welcomes that person back. Which is kind of scandalous. And actually this story doesn't end here. The story actually continues. And now we get to learn a little bit about the other brother, the older brother. Now his older brother was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. They're celebrating the younger brother. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said, your brother's come home and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. How do you, how, how do you think the brother feels? Probably feels a lot of things. He was angry and he refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. So you see what's happening here? He says, the son, can you imagine as that brother? You mean the brother who like took the money and ran off and had fun and did all what he wanted to do while I stayed here and worked? 
and we're having a party for him, he was angry. The father comes out to him, but he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came and has devoured, uh, and has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. He used your money <laughs> on prostitutes and you're gonna have a party for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your son was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So we get a little peek into the heart. This is the end of the story too, right here. We, we don't know necessarily if the older brother goes to the party, if he says, you're right, dad. But we see a glimpse into his heart. I've done so much. I've obeyed all your commands. I stayed to, I deserve all this. I did all these things and he can't celebrate a brother who has come back, who's alive again, who was dead. And so, we, so we get a picture of this older brother who's staring off. He's got the, who, who does this guy think he is? And so in this story, Christ is giving us this great picture of these two brothers. One who's, who's uh, a lot like the Gentiles would be as Paul described them. And a lot like the Jewish people may have been in that we followed all the rules though. So we should get all the benefits. We've done all these things and, and we don't get a party. They've done all those things. And I think this is often where we find ourselves. We find ourselves boasting about being one of these brothers or boasting in a way that people might think we're these brothers, especially in the church. We often, I think, find ourselves boasting as an older brother. In fact, Tim Keller says, when you invite someone to church, you should be aware that they probably think you're inviting them to become an older brother. Hey, I want you to come and learn how to behave and be a really good person and follow all the rules. And that's not the gospel. Paul's saying, neither one of those people has experienced true life. Both of those people are experienced death. The way to experience life is turning our faith to our creator to our Christ. And that's why Paul explains to us, we need to look to Jesus, the one who has rescued us from slavery, the one who has rescued us from the ultimate death and sickness as we look to him to heal us, the one who has shed his blood so that our sin would be atoned for, uh, made right. And the one who is our lamb who's been slaughtered so that we would have life. The one who was raised from the dead so that we would have life in him. And today sits on his throne. And Ephesians tells us we sit with him, waiting for the day for him to return and make all things right. That we're not calling you today to be better, to be older brothers. Hey, get your act together so God will be happy. And we're not saying he's stop doing silly things or even thinking, pursuing, uh, just becoming, doing your own thing somehow brings life. We're saying, no, there's actually a different way, a third way of, of following Christ, putting your faith in Christ and who he is that will change us. And that's our hope as we've been, walking through this uh, study of Romans. I'm gonna invite our worship team up. As we move forward in Romans, we're gonna actually unpack then what do we do? How do we live then? So if this is true, if this gospel is true, what does life look like? Do we say, oh good, that's great. Christ has rescued us. And then we go back to just following law or do we, now we can do whatever we want. We're free to do whatever we want. What does life look like as we move into this next section as we go through four through eight here? I encourage you as we uh, move forward in Romans 
to uh, this summer maybe is a good opportunity to continue thinking about Romans. Maybe ask some of your own questions. We have scripture journals. I know many, many of you grabbed those. I think we still have some. Uh, they're free to you. They're out on the communion tables. They are uh, an opportunity maybe this summer to read ahead and ask some questions, write your own notes. We have a podcast where our uh, senior founding pastor, Steve Treichler, walks through Romans. Uh, it's a great opportunity here. Uh, his thoughts for many years of studying Romans, or even on our app, we have lots of resources. Encourage you to continue looking at Romans. We're gonna move to a time now where we respond to this gospel, this good news. And I want us to uh, be able to do that together here as we end our service. It's gonna be a time for us to sing together, to pray together. There'll be people available in the back of the room to pray for you. Also an opportunity to take communion. So you can head out into the hallways here on both sides. And we have an opportunity for uh, communion where we remember Christ's body broken and his blood shed. Uh, and this good news that uh, it's not something we did, it's something Christ did. And that we get to cling to him and look to him uh, and even confess to him in our weakness as he makes us strong. Um, encourage you to do that. You don't have to be a, a member here at Hope. We just ask you're a follower of Jesus for that to be meaningful. Also, it's something that we love. We have stickers out there if you want to take your kids with you. Sometimes it's fun to stick a sticker on you to remind you and even take with you throughout the day to remind you of this good news. Um, Also, an opportunity to give. You can give online, and we also have a uh, little black box out by our communion table you can give to if you want to respond in that way. Let me pray for us, and we'll, uh, we'll continue worshiping. Lord, you're good to us, so good to us, that in our brokenness and in our weakness, You came to us, not because we were a big deal, because we were broken. You came and you rescued us while we were still sinners. You came and rescued us, and I pray that you would turn our hearts to you, that that we'd remember this, that we would spend our days not making ourselves look better, not pointing to ourselves or others to us, but pointing them to you, the one who brings great strength, who brings great hope, who brings security, and approval and love makes us whole. I pray now that you would make us whole. Um, and thank you for Christ. As we sing these songs, that good news would uh, penetrate our hearts, that we'd even hear our neighbors singing good news and it would remind us of good news. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Amen.